And this was taken, well, I'd probably been away from Audrey for probably 40 days in the field. And uh, that bunk right there is where I read the book of Galatians for the first time. Never been to seminary, Bible college. I was a sergeant in the army. I sat down and read it. It didn't take all that long, but after I finished the book, it radically changed how I viewed things. Because what happened is, when I read it, I found out that I am not under works. I am under grace. That's a huge difference. And uh, this, this series, if I will, asks the question, how do you live as a Christian? How do you live? There's been volumes of books written on the subject, how do you live? And all of them have arrived at different definitions. Now, so what this series is going to do today, we're going to look at what I call a definition. If you look on the back of your bulletin, there's an outline there. So the question is, is it a spirit-filled life? And the answer to that is yes. Is it doing the right thing constantly? Yes. Is it um, coming to church? Is it performing all those religious activities? In some degree, yes. But we need something more specific. And it has to also include the element of grace. Because that's what I found on this bunk in Korea. Because everything that I taught in Sunday school up to that point, I hadn't been saved all that long. But then I started realizing, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. if I'm not under the works of the law and the works can't save me, then I need something else. And I found out what that else was, was faith in Jesus Christ under his grace. That has to be included in any definition. But I want to give you a definition and we'll kind of walk through this this morning. The apostle Paul writing says, we died when Christ did. We died when Christ did. Very famous phrase. There's been songs written about it. And it's simple. I have been crucified with Christ. Oh, wait a minute. I wasn't there when Christ was crucified. So how am I crucified with Christ. This word that the Apostle Paul uses is stustoro, stustoro. And what that means is, in the Greek language, to crucify someone at the same time another person is being crucified. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and uh, there's, a, a, again, this is, this is a wide open area, but let me just tell you this, that it is possible that when the Apostle Paul uses the mystery of the gospel, he may have this in mind. The mystery of how God would come to earth in form of a human being, live a sinless life, take that sinless life, put it on the cross, be, be martyred, died, physically buried, but then on the third day rose from the dead, which is what we celebrated last Sunday. Story doesn't end there. We've been raised from the dead as Christ is raised from the dead. So in some sense, we have been crucified with Christ. It's possible that Paul talked about the mystery of the gospel here. Um, I do like what Timothy George said in his commentary on the cross. Christ suffered alone, forsaken by his friends, his followers, and finally even his father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
As Moltmann puts it in his commentary, a God-forsaken death for God-forsaken people. Wow. And in some sense, we have been crucified with Christ. My friend Dr. Newt Larson said it this way, and appropriately, apparently it does not, it does not matter if we need if we feel that or if we can explain it totally it matters that it is true God says it so in some sense when we trust in Jesus Christ we have also been crucified with Christ it is a life in combination with Christ not only his death on the cross his burial but also his resurrection we live in combination with Christ so in that sense we died when Christ died and uh, beautifully illustrated here this this morning with with Gatlin is the death the symbolic death with Christ and that's our lives when you trust in Jesus Christ, you died. You died. And I died for those that had trusted in Jesus Christ. Because Paul says here, I, and he's referring to himself, I have been crucified with Christ. As if I was put on the cross with him. That's, that's, wild, that's wild theology. That's stuff that we don't really talk about or, or examine a lot. How can we possibly die? But God says that we died with Christ. We were crucified with him. The bigger, bigger issue here is who or what died? Who or what died? Now, this is a three ways to answer this, and really only three ways. Well, one thing we do know for sure is Galatians 5.24, the Apostle Paul continues to write, those who belong to Christ have, been crucif have crucified the sinful nature which its passions, with its passions and desires. These two words, one sensual and one coveting. Um, it, 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 that when we died with Jesus Christ, we crucified our sinful nature with Christ. That's what died on the cross. Christ, Christ went to the cross to pay for the passions and desires of the world, which are not in the direction of Christ. It is a direction of self. So in one sense, when, when we trusted in Jesus Christ, what died was our nature, not the flesh. That's a different issue, which we'll get to in a minute. But the desire to do these things have been crucified with Christ. Pathothea which is the word lust. Epithemia, which is the word covenant. And yet, these same two issues, these same two issues surface in our Christian walk. But in one sense, when we died with Christ, it was crucified. So the big question is, how can I live this Duality. I'll answer that in just a few minutes. A second thing is, the second way to answer this is, what or who died, is that the single you died. The single you. Because you cannot enter the kingdom of God on your own. You have to enter the kingdom of God by way of Jesus Christ who gives you the Holy Spirit. Uh, the best way to explain this is a wedding ceremony. 
You have two single people, and when they come to the altar to marry, when they, when they re- recite the vows that the, that the pastor gives them, and they go through the, the wedding ceremony at, at the end, I do this every time. Will you take this man to be your, your husband? Will you take this woman to be your wife? Yes, we agree. And I always say at the end, by the power of rested in me, by the state of Illinois, and God, and I'll pronounce you husband and wife. At that moment, at that moment, you died. You become part of another person. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying here. I have been crucified with Christ. I am with Him now. We are in union with one another. My life is no longer single. It's not just me. It's not just me fighting the sinful passions of the flesh. It's not that anymore. I live in combination with Jesus Christ. I think another way to answer this, not only because of our sinful passions and our sinful nature, that the, we are my single self died, but also... It has to have the element of grace. This is quite shocking. There was a Gallup poll taken in 2016. Yes, it's, it's three years old, but it's still very enlightening. The question was asked on what basis, and I think there was over 4,000 people that they surveyed, on what basis will you enter heaven? You ready for this? This may act... This may shock you, maybe not. Maybe those of you that have grown up in the church, you probably already maybe know this. On the basis of what will you enter heaven? 75% of the people said by keeping the Ten Commandments. (laughs) I, I I want to remind the church this morning, the Ten Commandments don't save anybody. Actually, the Ten Commandments drive you to the cross. And if the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, could not always obey it, how in the world are we Gentiles to try to obey this? This is not how you get into the kingdom of God. And this is exactly Paul's argument. That you cannot have a law driven salvation it has to be something else and by the way the only person to and it's not just the ten commandments Uh, it starts in in uh in exodus 19 and it goes all the way to exodus 24 it's not just the ten commandments there's all of these commandments connected to it with ceremonies and, and rituals all of those things so when people say you just obey the ten commandments to get in you if you ask them have you obeyed all of them they're gonna say no well then how do you get in And if you go back and read Exodus 19 to Exodus, just stop at 25, if if it was a fight, the the towel would have been thrown in. You would have lost. You can't possibly get to heaven that way. But you know what Satan's really good at? Satan is really good at telling people, as long as you're a little good, you're okay. Actually, before I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was really bad. I was a sinner needing a Savior. And guess what? I still need that Savior today to help me in my daily walk. We died with Christ. We died to our sin nature. 
We died to living apart from God. It's no longer us. We are in union with him. We died to a works righteousness. You cannot do it under any circumstances. You cannot reach a level of perfection in this sarks, in this flesh. So we died with Christ. Here's the crazy part. Yet, we still live in combination. Verses 20b and c. Now notice what Paul says. Right after he says, I've been crucified, and if you go back and read the verses a little bit before this, uh, 18 and 19, you'll see that he's getting, trying to get these people to die to the law. He, he, he says here, and we've been driving at it, but it's worth repeating. It is no longer I who live. Single Mike died. Single Mike died the day I married Christ. So it's no longer me that is living. I died. But, Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Big difference. Because if you're trying to work's relationship, uh, try to get to God and say, look, God, look how good I am. Uh, you do not have Christ living in you, and therefore you cannot go to heaven because what God sees is sin. But now, when Paul says it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, guess what God sees when he looks at you? He sees his son who went to the cross to pay for your sins and to cover you so that you experience the Passover. The Passover judgment. And that goes back to the, to the nation of Israel when on the 10th plague, God wiped them out. Anybody that did not have the blood over the doorpost, the Spirit came through and killed the firstborn. We no longer live. What does that mean? Because that's a big phrase. I like what Kenneth Wu said. Kenneth Wu said this, it is no longer a self-centered life that he lives, but a Christ-centered life. Think of it this way. I love, love, love what he wrote here. Um, if you died to yourself and to your desires and your thoughts, the cardia, the heart, everything that's connected with that, the heart of a person, if you died to that, then I no longer want to live according to that. What I want to do is to put Christ on the throne of my heart so that I no longer live a self-centered life, but I live a Christ-centered life. That's a far cry. That's a far cry from, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love my neighbor as I love myself. What Jesus said that, there's not a problem there. But to try to live all of these rules, thinking that living these rules is going to get you to heaven, you can't do that. Now you're focused on living in obedience to Christ which does involve loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is likened unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. But now you're doing it in combination. You are not doing it single. You, and so he says, the self-centered life, but a Christ-centered life. Instead of attempting, I love this, instead of attempting to live his life in obedience to a set of rules and forms of legal enactments of the Mosaic law, Paul yields to the indwelling Holy Spirit and cooperates with him in the production of a life 
pleasing to God. So, simple way, I see that. Now, Lord, help me live it. Not, I see that, but I can't do it. Of course you can't do it if you're outside of Christ because you don't have the power to go along with it. But when you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you yield. You go, oh Lord, this is so tough to live. It's, it's so difficult to try to live this. But because I'm Christ-centered, I'm going to do it, but I need your help. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. Acts 1-7, for the Holy Spirit will come upon you and in you. And that is the difference between the saved and the unsaved. Those who are trying to live a life of legalism versus those who are living a life, uh, a life of grace. Big difference. Big difference. But it also means that Christ lives in us. The spirit of Christ, zeo, which means to be alive. Do you know that you were once dead in your transgressions and sins? But, Ephesians says, the Apostle Paul, of course, he has made you alive in Christ. You were once dead, single, a living, apart from Christ, from God, from the, the, the commonwealth of, of the kingdom of God. You were, but when you trusted in Jesus Christ, you were alive. You were alive with Christ. Christ lives in us. He's the one that makes us alive. A couple of thoughts here. One is, on our end, we were taught with regarding to our former way of life, that single guy that died over here the day that I was crucified with Christ, metaphorically, uh, theologically, I, I died. That guy died. He had to die with Jesus on the cross. With regard to your former way of life and to put on your old self, or to put, on, uh, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted with its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your mind. In other words, and the language here refers to taking off clothes and putting on new clothes. It shows a difference between that which was old and that which is new. We have been made alive with him something has wonderfully happened inside of us and that difference is the holy spirit has come in and yet we do owe a responsibility on our part not to do it on our own but to do it with his help to take off that old nature and brothers and sisters that old nature will haunt you until you see jesus face to face right that's right i know it is you're going to fight with it. But then there's also 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You do not live. You, you were crucified with Christ. We died when he did, yet we still live in combination. And thank God for that combination. Thank God that we have a power inside of us. Romans says that his spirit adopts our spirit. Thank goodness. When the body ceases, we go to be with him. Praise God.
But now, he also talks here not about only his indwelling, but he talks about our humanity, 20C. And the life I now live in the flesh. Do you know what flesh is? The Greek word sarx, which means this. Wait a minute, I died. Yeah, spiritually you died. Physically you live on. You still live in the flesh. You could put it this way. This is our body, but we are connected to the source. We have a physical body, and the sarks will fly up in our face from time to time. Don't do it God's way. Do it your way. Well, no, then you go back, and this is the way to fight it. You go back and you say, wait a minute, I died. I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, my desires, my ways, my rules, uh, how I'm going to fight back. I died to that. And now Christ lives in me. And I will then be obedient to the ways of Christ. I will live for Him. And I will not allow the old self to keep coming back in. And it's, it is a fight, fight, fight. You know it. I know it because <clears throat> when somebody hurts us, the first thing we want to do is not. Uh -huh. The first thing you want to do is. Right. Mm -hmm. You want to fire back. Jesus tells us in a teaching, turn the other cheek. He says to love your enemies. To do good to those who do wrong to you. That's. I know because, you know, I just want a man. I just want to lash out. Where does that come from? That comes from the part of me that was crucified with Christ on the cross. I, I don't live that single life anymore. You have to remind yourself when those kind of events come along. Wait a minute. Single me died. I now live in combination with Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus tells me to do about this situation. And Lord, you know it's tough. You know it's hard. You've got to help me do it. And he gives you the grace that you need to do it. Yeah. I think this, this, is the, this is the apex of the Christian life. It's the struggle. Even though our old nature died and I was crucified with Christ and he now lives in me, but like, like Paul says, I fight this stuff. The very thing that I don't want to do, that's what I wind up doing. It's like it keeps coming up. And you got to keep pushing it back, and it keeps coming up. And you got to keep pushing it back. There may be three or four instances this, this week where your flesh is going to pop up. And what I want you to remember about this sermon is when that happens, you stop and say, wait a minute, if you've been truly born again, saved by the blood of Jesus. Uh, this, this is how I want you to fight it. Wait a minute. Well, I know, because I know myself, and I know what I need to respond here uh, the way I'd like to respond, but I died. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Just get that. When, whenever that flesh goes, hey, look at this. Isn't this nice? You can just do this. You go, wait a minute. No, no, I died to that. Now I'm going to live in life in combination because that guy died. 
we died. You're dead. Now, Christ, when you died, pulls you back to life. It's a combination. You can't do this stuff on your own. I can't do this on my own. You have to be working in combination. But now, not only did we die when Christ did, and yet we still live in combination, here's the final definition of all of this. And it is by faith. It is by faith. So we died when Christ did. How that works out in God's economy, all I got to do is get the picture in that I died when he died on the cross. That's a good image because we need to die to ourselves daily. Yet, I live in combination because it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm still alive even though I died. That's theology. Good theology. You died, fight it like a person who is alive when that nature comes up. Notice what Paul writes here. It's in 20D. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. The word faith there is pistis. And that means to trust in Christ. To trust in Christ is what it takes to be saved. You have to, by faith, trust in Jesus Christ. Well, you say, what do you, what do you trust in? Well, you trust in that, that God sent his son to this world, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He sent him in here, in, into this world. He lived a sinless life. Everything that God ever spoke, said, or wrote, he fulfilled it. And by the way, he's the only one that ever fulfilled the commandments. Jesus fulfilled them perfectly. Then he took that sinless life, which we'll get into in just a minute, and offered it up to God as a sacrifice on my behalf. You're telling me the Son of God who left the kingdom of God and all of its glory came down to this earth and was born in a little baby, grew, every, grew in every way as we did, yet the Bible says he was without sin. And he took that sinless life, that, perfective, that perfective, uh, perfect, perfect life, and took it and put it on the cross for me. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He allowed himself to be mocked, beaten, and battered, and nailed to a cross. Because I'm such a good person. Because I have a sin nature, and it needed to be crucified. I died when he did, yet I live in combination, but now... The life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. What does that mean beyond trusting in Christ? It means trusting Him that our sins are forgiven. It means trusting that He is the only Son of God. It means that 
He is at work in our lives because we're alive with him. I trust in him that he will guide me and direct me in my life. That's encompassed here. It means being obedient to the word of God. When God says it, we do it. There's no argument. You can argue, but then all you have to do is go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember this one. I remember what Pastor Mike said this week. Oh, yeah, I died. I died. It is no longer I who live according to how I'd like to respond here. But now I'm going to respond because I live in combination with him and he lives inside of me. (laughs) The simplest of words. We walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Write it down, read it all week. Because, you know, when you look at things, we don't see the big picture. This is horrible. This is a bad situation. Okay, when I do that, I just got to go back and wait a minute. Yeah, it's bad. You, you, you can acknowledge that whatever situation you're confronted with, yes, This is bad. But there's always a little three-letter word in the Bible that I love so much. But God. You can go like this. Okay, the situation's bad, and I'm going to have my moment of (gasps) freaking out, and then I'm going to go back and remember, wait a minute, I died. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to trust that Jesus Christ is going to use this either for the kingdom or to make me stronger in the faith. That's a big difference. We walk by faith, not by what we see. We walk by faith, not by what we see. And that requires trust. You say, well, wait a minute. That's a hard thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is a hard thing to do. Here's another one for you. You see the situation this week. You go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is how I want to respond, but that's the old guy. I died with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Stop freaking out about situations in your life. Just stop and say, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, this looks bad. I know it, and I'm repeating it. Repetition breeds retention. This is a bad situation, but you know what? I'm going to look at it from God's perspective. What does God want me to learn from this situation? Don't go, oh, well, it's not that. No, it is bad. It is bad. The Apostle Paul struggled with stuff like this. But at the end of the day, he says, what, what, what does it matter? I have Jesus Christ. And what Ephesians chapter 1, I know that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion until the day that I see Jesus. Look at the situation. Acknowledge it. Go, the old guy would do this, but the new guy is not going to freak out. He's just going to trust God. Everybody needs this. Everybody needs this. I need it. You need it. We all need this.
What's my motivation? We died when Christ did, yet we still live in combination with him. And we do this by faith. What possible motivation would I need to live by this way? Paul tells us, who loved me and gave himself for me. Agapeo is the word love, not agape, which is a self-sacrificing love, which is what Christ did on the cross. Agapeo, agapeo is slightly tweaked. Agapeo means to find pleasure in someone. When Christ was on that cross, he was taking pleasure in me. I want to tell you this morning, Christ takes pleasure in you. And I realize you may not always do it right. Welcome to the other 100% crowd. But I'm going to tell you something. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ and you are a born-again believer this morning, I want to tell you this. He takes pleasure in you. You say, Pastor, I've botched this. I've fumbled. (laughs) I'm probably the leader of the fan club in that area, right? He takes pleasure in you. Who loved me? A guy who would mess up from time to time and sin and struggle. He takes pleasure in me. He takes pleasure in you. And gave. It's not only that who loved me, but he gave. Paradidomi. I know it doesn't mean much to you, but it does to me. Paradidomi. You know what it means? It means to hand something over. Christ gave up his life. He found such pleasure in you and me that he did that. That, this is the epitome of love. No greater love has any man known than he that laid down his life. What Christ asked of me on my end, what he asked of me is to die to myself daily and to let him live his life through me. That's what it is. Knowing full well that he takes pleasure 
in this wretched vessel. And yet in this wretched vessel, he lives his life through me, waiting someday when I breathe my last to see him face to face. That is the theology of combination. You and I died when he did. Done. Crucified. Yet we live in combination because of the indwelling spirit. We'll get into this down the road. And my motivation for living is because of him loving me, taking pleasure in me, and giving himself for me. If you do not know Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, do it today.